Alright, cause three is a crowd. Alright, cause three is a crowd. I'm here today with my wonderful friend, Kelly, calling in from Portland, Oregon. It's been a long time since we've done a podcast, Kelly. How are you doing out there? Oh yeah, it has been a long time. Uh, I, I'm doing well. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's cold. It keeps raining. It won't stop raining. It won't stop raining. It won't stop raining. And we have plants that are trying to grow and it's too cold, but everything's doing great you know all about our beautiful plants that's a spoiler but everything looks pretty good just the new stuff isn't coming up yet so we'll see the spoiler being that i the next question you would ask is how am i doing (laughs) and i would say i was there for an entire month hanging out uh we planted major garden made arches did all kinds of shit lots of mulch going in and out of cars it was a lot of fun and now i am in a i'm in a uh i'm in the the peter skeen ogden um, what would you call this rest area rest stop in central Peter Oregon. Ske- what the Peter um, Skeen Ogden Peter Skeen Ogden he's an old fur trapper who was in this uh, this area uh, back in the 1840s he's a person he has journals you can go read it if you want to oh, wow looking at a photo so I met it, it, anybody out there that knows uh, you know Crooked River it's very beautiful this is maybe one of the top five I've been to a lot of rest areas I've slept at a lot of rest areas and I gotta say this is a top five for both Mm. Um, the Crooked River itself is beautiful and this is amazing because I'm looking at a sign right now that says caution 300 foot cliff do not take your pets out don't do anything like that there's suicide prevention hotlines in case people because people have jumped off the bridge here and comically there's a dog jumping into the cliff off the cliff and it says keep your dogs in because many dogs have died here um i don't know how many it is but there could easily die i mean it is a very small wall and if that dog just jumped over the wall it's literally a 300 foot drop to their death now in this i was like okay who has committed suicide here multiple people have which is very sad but it also got me on to another um genre of internet which is moms throwing their babies off bridges and apparently portland is the place to do it a couple years ago there was one in newport there's a bridge um the akina bridge and a mom threw her her autistic child off the bridge called it in and said he's gone i threw the kid off the bridge here's all of his information um and then in 2009 before we moved out to portland uh, there was an infamous one where a woman threw her two kids off the Selwood Bridge, the old Selwood Bridge. What? Um, and one of them, the four-year-old died and the seven-year-old lived. And it was all in like a boyfriend got a new girlfriend, ex-husband or whatever it was, you know, custody bullshit. And this was going to like, he got full custody and then she threw the kids off the... So she's in prison to this day. But the most infamous one... Uh, the quote-unquote crime of the century actually happened right here at Crooked River. This was 19, I believe, 61 or so. And this was the first woman. Her name was uh, Jeanne Freeman, I think. And she was the first woman sentenced to death in Oregon. But then Oregon outlawed the death penalty in 1964, so she was commuted. But the crime was she was 19. A woman, who's the two kids that ended up being thrown into the Crooked River, um, they got into a relationship. So they were a lesbian couple um, and God they wanted it. to kill. I know they wanted to kill the kids because all we know is that they were in their way. What does that mean? Who knows? Crime sprees that could have happened. Who knows? Maybe it's just sex. Who knows? We have no idea what's going on, but it ended up, they pulled up to this bridge and GN uh, got out and killed the boy with a pipe 
and threw him off the bridge. And then the mom, because she was under the sway of this woman or was part of it, we don't really know to this day, picked up the daughter who was still in the car as well and just threw her off the bridge. So they both killed the kids and they found the kids later. And it was like a big manhunt to find, well, woman hunt to find her. And they found her. And then she was sentenced to life in prison and then commuted because the death penalty was abolished. She only served 20 years and then she lived the rest of her life out in, out in the world. The mom only served seven. I'm like, how did people back in the day, man, we just let people like off the hook. Like that is like unthinkable today. And you can make a whole case that like it's needed or not needed or whatever prison should or shouldn't be. But like you throw somebody throws someone off the bridge. You would go to jail f- probably for life God today. Damn. It's wild that you would get out after seven years. But how many like stories of that where it's like this transient has been locked up 500 times and like that last time he should have been in forever because he's done this 500 right. times and then he goes out and kills someone. It's like, man, the 70s, 60s, crazy time to be in America. Wow. You know, wild shit. Anyways, crime of the century right here where I am. Uh, it's a beautiful place, guys. Come here. There's no ghosts as far as I know. So. <laughs> Oh, Kelly, this is not a true crime podcast. This is a Bob Dylan podcast. We listen to a random Bob Dylan song once a week or so, and we get together at the end of the week or two weeks or a month, <laughs> and we talk about said song. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the volume number of the United States reports, which details Supreme Court decisions, in this case, in 1891. Spoiler there's a lot of railroad cases. And this week, we listened to 1962, so like 61's book, I guess. The Talk book of New Supreme York. Court, you know, also, like, this This is too soon. I don't want to hear the word Where Supreme Court right now. Leave me alone. Leaving the towns, I love the best. Thought I'd seen some ups and downs till I come into New York town. People going down to the ground. Buildings going up to the sky. No one wants to hear the words. And I know this was uh, not a great choice for me. Um, you can really date where we are in time uh, with all of that. We're currently on volume 596. Holy though, shit. So, you know, being back at 139. I mean, we're back in 1891. God so damn. pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. I mean, we're in a terrible time, um, you know, society wise, as we as we have been. We've been predicting wars on this podcast. We didn't predict what happened at the Supreme We've Court. We've been of predicting course, wars. We didn't get a chance just to. Just the one. Just we the just one. know. We just know. How many wars do you need before you're a soothsayer? <laughs> it's also an interesting time for Bob Dylan world. Um, the Bob Dylan Center um, celebrated uh, its pre-opening. It opens officially on Tuesday. We're recording this on Sunday. Um, so it's opening in Tulsa on the 10th of right, May. Tulsa. But um, Patti Smith and Elvis Costello and Mavis Staples came and played some shows at Kane's Ballroom uh, to sort of open up the festivities. And everything I've seen from the center looks fire. So my... I, I was kind of wishy-washy on whether I wanted to do it this year or next year, but I'm going to try to head down to Tulsa um, when I head back to Virginia later on. Um, it's also the 60th anniversary of Bob Dylan signing to Columbia, so they kind of teased out a, a new video. Kelly, this probably went under your radar, but a new video for Subterranean Homesick Blues. Everyone was getting really excited oh. about the 2022 remake. It's just a new video. It, it's fine. It's probably part of a larger collection because they'll probably give a big box set because that's what they do uh, or to be part of the next um, bootleg series or something, or it's just part of the center, the Bob Dylan center, you know, just kind of hyping up Bob Dylan, but, but people are kind of disappointed. And I'm like, guys, come on. Doesn't everyone like, what do you love want? that video? Cause it's one of the first music videos and that's kind of the whole thing. Why redo yeah. that? Why not? But this is, 
This is a remake. But why? Why? Know. Well, that's what everyone's asking. Why? <laughs> why? And everyone's like, I'm disappointed. And it's like, God, I mean, don't you, isn't that part of being a Bob Dylan fan? It's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy. It's like so underwhelming. Everyone's like new album, new singles. And I'm like, yeah, I hope so. And then it's just like, oh, it's a remake. And you're like, cool, great. He did some, he, with T-Bone Burnett, he like got together. They, there's like new music out there. You know, we thought that would be it. Maybe a, a re, you know, a remix, like a real new subterranean homesick. Mm-hmm. And nope, it's just the same song, same video style, just like very cool and arty and yeah, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, we also have Bob Dylan tickets for the 31st of May. Hell yeah. Uh, here in Portland, baby, at the at the Schnitzer. So we will be doing an episode. You'll you'll definitely hear this song this episode right before we go to that show, and then we'll do a show about the show because that's how we do. Because we are the number one Bob Dylan podcast in the world, and of course, the last Bob Dylan piece of information you need to know is the podcast you're listening to. It's back, baby. It's back. We're here. <laughs> and also, shout out to Jonas from Sweden. Thanks for being a longtime listener and a Patreon subscriber. Jonas, this episode is for you in Sweden. We love Thanks you. Thanks so much. Thanks, wow. buddy. Um, you know, talking about the Bob Dylan Center, I have tried to get you to go to, kind of, not very hard, but tried to. Uh, Mississippi Studios annually does Bob Dylan's Birthday Bash, mm. and you've never wanted to mm, go. Nice. And I was like, I don't need no man. I can go by myself. And I feel like... Well, we can do it this year. I'm I, here. It is actually the weekend you're coming back, I think, or it should be, because it's yeah, it's like it'll be the twenty. Oh, it's the weekend. I yeah. think so. Well, I'm trying to find it. The last one I could find is the one from 2019, which would be his 78th birthday. So theoretically, that'll this will be his 81st birthday, right? It will be 81. Let's yes, see. correct. But if they do it on the day, it'll be the 24th. And if it's on the weekend, that would be like the Bob Dylan, the weekend before he comes, which would be maybe better or worse. I don't know how they would consider that. Ooh, yeah, maybe they're not doing it. Hmm. Or maybe they're not. See, we missed our goddamn chance. The pandemic killed another institution. Well, they did it last year virtually, and we both were like, "Nah." Well, virtually sounds horrible, man. Can you imagine virtually hanging out with someone? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll Uh, we'll keep tabs on that. If if we do find more information, that would be fun. I would totally do it. because, yeah, I'm only right over the mountains. We could have done an episode live, but of course we didn't. Or did we? <laughs> Stay tuned for next episode, everybody out there. Um, anyways, Kelly, we are here today to talk about not Bob Dylan's like news. We're not at Bob Dylan News Hour. That would be fun. But um, New York. We're here today to talk about New York City. Now, I know that I've asked you if you've been to New York before, but it's been five years since I asked that question. So I know the answer to it, but I'm going to ask for the audience. Have you been to New York city ever or since 20 or since 2017? Uh, ever? No. Also not within the last five years. Yeah. I just like, I got sad the other day. I was like, maybe I'll never go to there. Maybe like the older you get, the more you start to realize you'll probably never do that thing. And then you just have to be okay with it. Luckily I have a terrible memory. So the, and everything is fleeting because I constantly lose track of everything. So when I get sad, I just uh, forget that I was sad and move on. So it's fine. But yeah, I, I would like to go. I've, I've been in upstate New York. I've been around New York. I've spent time in New England, uh, yeah. but not, not New York city. One day, man. Uh-huh. One day. Yeah. No. I mean, my grandma too, that was like her big wanting to go dream and it's like you know new york city means so many different things to so many different people like if i went again i would love to do something like in east village greenwich you know something like uh finding the old shops and stuff like i would enjoy something like that but 
you know, when you talk to regular people, it's like, oh, I would love to go. And it's like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to see a show? Do you want to go to Times Square? Do you want everything so disparate? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's something that does surprise people, even though they know that there's like millions of people there. It's like, oh, no, you can just do everything in a weekend. And it's like, no, no, no you really. Can't. I mean, you I would absolutely really pin this down after being someone who is very anti. I don't want a package tour. I don't want to do anything over the top touristy. Mm-hmm. I will tell mm-hmm. you when you only have like a couple of days in London. Taking the big bus tour is totally fine, man. Boom. Buckingham Palace. There it is. Sure. Trafalgar Square. There it is. I saw all the things I wanted to see. And yes, I had to do it with a bunch of other dummies from America. But you know what? I got it done. And it was like it. 40 bucks. So I would absolutely do something yeah. like that in New York because things are far apart. I'm sure they kind of, you know, go sure. past like, hey, look, there's Statue of Liberty. We're not stopping. So there it is. And I'm like, great. I saw it. Did it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably part of your package would be going on the ferry, right? It would be to go to, to Statue sure. of Liberty, you know, because it's downtown in Manhattan. So it's like that's where people want to go. You kind of would do like a World Trade Center jump on a ferry, head out to there, come back, you know, fuck around downtown, go to Wall Street or whatever, you know, that would be part of that. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I think that it would be a great thing. And it's like, if you can get it, get in of the city outside of the city, like, that's the best thing. Like, driving through that is a nightmare. Oh, yeah. And fucking flying in seems impossible. It's just like so much fucking money uh, at this point. It's just not feasible. Um, but, you know, it's cool. It's whatever. Um, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's for everybody. You know, I don't, I'm not sad that I haven't been there in 10 years. It's kind of like, okay, it's whatever. Portland's cool. I like Portland. Go to Portland. (laughs) Is it better than New York? I don't know. It's smaller, which makes it a lot more manageable, I would imagine. That's true. That's true. And the airport's just way chiller. Oh my God, the airport. You You cannot, you you cannot beat the airport. (sighs) Cannot beat the airport. It is the best. Uh, Kelly, a little bit of context before we talk about the song at some point. Um, This is a, um. This is a song. Well, actually, before we do the context, this song is a, one of Dylan's first songs, um, along with uh, our 32nd episode, Song to Woody. These are the only two originals that showed up on his very first record that's about to turn or has just turned 60 years old. Um, how did you feel? Like, if you compare it to Song to Woody and this song in particular, how did you feel about it before we get into the context and talk about the lyrics and stuff? Um, I have a question for you what's the Mm. other one is it talking new york blues what's the other one new york hard times in new york town hard times in new york town which i was going to bring up later yes Yes. okay that's episode 16 of for so that's not on Um, here on this album that's not on any album that's just a oh that was the woodmark demo thing right yeah i'm pretty sure okay so this song is worse than song to woody but also i found myself i was like so enamored by folksy country Bob, you know, that was definitely my favorite mode of his. And now I find it kind of irritating. Uh, it seems okay fake. <laughs> it seems so much to me. Like before I was like, this is Bob Dylan. This is the true Bob Dylan. This is the guy that, you know, my guitar and my harmonica mm-hmm. and he's folk singer, whatever, whatever. And now I'm like, that dude was definitely just trying some shit. He was definitely like, you know, I th- I'm sure he believed it 100% at the time, but clearly, like, he's not going to be that guy forever. And he was just a young kid, and he really wanted to model himself. I mean, he was trying to be Woody Guthrie, uh, not hiding it even a little bit. Like, that is what he was doing. And it just now, it does come off kind of kind of phony. Just like, I don't know. It, it's really interesting to be through all the way, you know, six years later and be like, yeah, I don't, I don't love this. I it just doesn't seem authentic. And I would think that, you know, especially in a song like this, which we'll talk about the lyrics later, but, uh, he's trying to pride himself as like the only true authentic. I'm, I'm the, the hillbilly coming in here and nobody's got flavor like I do that I built up from fucking Minnesota. So like, I, sure. I, 
yeah, I found it a little irritating, but the song's fine. I mean, it's you know, guitar yeah. and harmonica. It's that that's fine. But yeah, I uh, I was surprised. I was like, Bob, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're such. Why are you pretending? He's 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 trying something, um, and I don't blame him for that. You know, I think it's like a lot of people. If this was his only record he ever did, and they dropped him on Columbia, this would just be a weird relic from some weird kid from Minnesota. You know, mm-hmm. and now he's got a fucking ten million dollar center with his name on it. It's just weird. You know, it's like it's hard to separate those two people in time. So now you can listen to it, and I think I'm with you. This is not a song I listen to a lot. Not a song I ever come back to. I forget. Almost it, completely. It doesn't even register for me because Hard Times in New York Town is my New York song of his, and that's all I need. Thank you very much. Um, this is one of his earliest songs, though, that he wrote in New York City, New York City Blues. He wrote a song about Washington Square Park and like the protests that were happening there about folk music back in the day and uh, that he may or may not have been a part of. But again, he kind of perfected New York with Hard Times in New York Town, which, again, he's using a lot of talking blues and even Hard Times in New York Town, we talked about it then, was based on another song. As well, so Bob Dylan's just again taking the sounds that he's heard from other records and is reappropriating it for himself. Uh, and this one, of course, is the Talking Blues. It's the first one he ever recorded, but it's not the last. We've done a couple already. We've done um, Talking John Birch Blues, you know. Mm. And there's a lot coming up. Bear Picnic is coming up. World War Three Blues, which we talked about after we predicted the war that's going on right now. And you know. There's a couple others. I mean, I Shall Be Free is another sort of talky song. And and Bob Dylan is known for that. The talk, I mean, he almost has become that in a way, even though he is a singer. A lot of his songs do have that talking element, you know, so. He has a song called Bear Picnic. Talking Bear Mountain Picnic Blues, yes. Oh, okay. Well, Excellent. I'm definitely going to put Teddy Bear Picnic, Christine McConnell's mm. favorite song on that playlist when and Boom. if we get it. <laughs> uh, that's, I love that song. It is so fun. And it's just the historical incident of a, of a people going out to a picnic and it being awful. It's just an awful picnic song. It's great. Um, <laughs> I guess the thing to talk about really with Bob Dylan here, and we won't go so deep into it cause it's not a historical Bob Dylan podcast, but it's just when he arrived. So there was a uh, confusion about when he arrived, if it was December of 1960 or early 1961, Bob Dylan wrote in Chronicles. He said, quote, when I arrived, it was dead on winter. The cold was brutal and every artery in the city was snowpacked. But I started out from the frostbitten North Country and icy roads didn't phase me. And I believe that. I mean, I think that even though this was one, a train is going by. The BNSF train is going by right now, everybody. So brace yourselves. This has been Train Talk. I don't hear it. You don't hear it? Maybe I can get a little bit. Oh, here we go. A little bit. I see it. I see the train. You see now the train? Yes. This now is this is riveting for podcasts. <laughs> Everybody out there, there is a train. It is passing by. <laughs> Incredible. Um, another story is somebody did jump off the, the, that train track to the to the ground, and someone oh. on the other side at the bridge, the pedestrian bridge, watched them do it. Can you imagine? Can you fucking imagine? Not great. Not great. Goddamn. Anyway, Shelton places it, Robert Shelton places it in 1960, but more than likely it is 1961. There's a lot of conjecture for that. Um, He came out to, obviously, Bob Dylan in this era came up with so many stories about how did he end up in New York? He was in New Mexico, right? He was in South Dakota. He's a circus performer, whatever the fuck. But more than likely, I mean, not more than likely, he did come with a couple friends. Uh, Dave Berger was the one driving. He came with Fred Underhill, a friend from uh, the University of Minnesota, and Kevin Crown, who we picked up in Chicago. So Chicago, Madison, Minneapolis, that was kind of the nexus. 
And that was something kind of known to Bob Dylan. He had been doing that for um, about a year or so. So he, he knew that ride. But then getting to New York, uh, Dave Berger's family apparently is from Brooklyn. So that's kind of how this whole thing came about. Um, he dropped him off in Manhattan, drove to Brooklyn, and they were going to walk to the village. And instead were like, hey, let's take the subway, those 50 blocks. So I think it was uh, Fred Underhill and Bob Dylan uh, went up to the village. And apparently the very first night he went to Cafe Wa and to, to hear him tell it, he played his show that night. You know, back yeah. in the day, you could just sort of play and pass around the hat or whatever. Um, but Bob Dylan said, quote, I didn't have a place to stay that night. So I asked from the stage and about four hands went up. Uh, so my buddy and I, which probably is Underhill, uh, we picked out a fellow. He was with a girl. And my buddy says to me, he looks pretty gay. I didn't know anything about nothing about that kind of stuff. Anyway, he was with a girl. And so we went up to him and the girl got off at 34th Street and we got off with him at 42nd Street. Dylan laughs. And we went into a bar first before we went to his place. And then we met his friend, Dora. Dora was his friend who stayed with him. And we all went to party. That was my first night in New York. And I think Dora was a, was a guy. So I think he met the best friend. They're just roommates uh, on the very first right, night. Right, right, um, right. You know, he said stuff like he was like, you know, in the lyrics for the original version of the song, like pre-written before he recorded it. He just said that he was riding the subways at night or something, you know, so he tries to make it way more romantic than it probably was, which was like, hey, we just met some guys. And back in the day, it was just probably so much easier to like, yeah. you know, do something like that. And if he's already at the Cafe Wa, it's like, we're already bohemians. We're, we, we're beat. We're beat. Want to be beat poets. So we'll do yeah. that. It's fine. Uh, he made friends with like Dave Van Ronk immediately. So just like none of this was really hard to do back then. Um, interestingly for me, I was like, what did he do work wise? Um, so Clinton Halen said that he... There's no evidence for this, but he might have gone to like a soul dance troupe, which I don't know what soul dance is or what Bob Dylan would be doing there. Um, so I don't know if that's real or not. He also told Robert Shelton in 1966 that he was a rent boy, which is a, a male prostitute, <laughs> a prostitute yeah. which is uh, pretty great. But there's actually evidence of him shoveling snow that terrible winter for the sanitation department of uh, of New York City. Um, in an early draft of the song, he said in one of the lyrics, he said, one day I was shipped out from Third Avenue, shoveling snow way out there to Rockview, me and about 30 other men. Uh, so that was cut uh, and kind of started what we know Bob Dylan for today, which is cutting out all the great personal details of his life um, for more universal things. So there's a lot of like potential truths in the early drafts of this song that he took out for a more, you know, less personal thing which we've talked a lot about on this show he recorded this in november 1961 on the first record bob dylan he's played it twice live did anything stand out to you uh, song wise like i mean did you learn how to play the song at all or uh no i thought about it um classically you know like 20 minutes before we started recording but i knew it was going to be a little too hard it, so it's in the key of g major there's only theoretically only three chords uh G, C, and D. However, he's doing a lot of stuff. Like, he's doing, like, walking bass while he's strumming, and he's doing a lot of little fills and, and like, turnaround stuff and, and different chords, like, um, 
different sus chords and things that I knew it was going to be too hard for me to play. So I didn't really try. Right. Like I did. And I was like, I couldn't even, even a strumming pattern. This is a really fun guitar mm-hmm. song that is like, it's deceptively difficult. It sounds, because he's doing it so competently, it sounds right. really easy. But it's just like, I knew when I listened to it, I was like, nope, I can't do that. So I'm not gonna. So, nope, did not. But if you want to, go nuts. <laughs> Good luck. Well, I think I, it's like, one of those that like, it is about singing it and playing it. You know, it's like, yeah. The two are talking to each other the whole time. And when he's playing it live, you know, he can add those extra little snippets and little laugh tracks. And, you know, John Birch, he would always kind of change the lyrics and add little tiny moments and play out the song a little further to kind of emphasize the joke. And you got to really have that command of the two. And, yeah, I don't think it's a song you can really, like, 20 minutes, pick it up. You, like, you understand what it is, but you can't really, like, play it, play it, you know, until you, like, have the lyrics with it, you know. I don't have enough experience with the guitar to know what he's doing. I'm sure it's actually mm. not that complicated. But when you have no idea, when you listen to a thing, you're like, I, sure. it seems like magic, right? You're like, I don't know how he's making that sound. There's nobody on the internet that I could find of my cursory glance that's covered it, like, or like done a tutorial on how to do mm. it. I watched some guy play a cover of it, but I couldn't 100% tell what he was doing. Like, if I spent time and watched his hands, sure. I could probably figure it out. But it's like, Jesus Christ, I'm not going to fucking do that. So, no. But yeah, I, mean, I'm, I was impressed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, someday. Well, one day, inevitably, I will find a song that's similar to this without realizing it and watch mm. somebody play it on guitar who's actually doing a tutorial and be like, oh my God, now I know how to play that Bob Dylan song. And then I will go back there and play it. And I'll be like, oh, it's so stupid then. Ah, stupid you from the past. Well, wintertime in New York town, the wind blowing the snow around. Walked around, no place to go. I soon froze right to the bone. I just couldn't believe it, I was so cold. New York Times said it was the coldest winter in 17 years. I didn't feel so cold then. Um, I want to pick up on your point about Woody Guthrie here. So before we get into the song, which I've broken down into three parts, you got to talk about the prologue. you got to talk about Woody Guthrie. So in the early version of the song, he started out the song by saying, I rambled New York one time, came to see a friend of mine. So very explicitly about... Woody Guthrie. I mean, that's ostensibly why he came out here. Um, he would. He's going to reference Woody Guthrie again later when he talks about robbing you with a fountain pen. That's from uh, Pretty Boy Floyd, um, Woody Guthrie song. And there are hints of Bob, or there are hints of Woody in here as well. He has a, ta- a song called Talking Subway and a song called New York Town. That <laughs> um, New York Town almost nothing to do with it, but Talking Subway is. I mean. The lyrics for Talking Subway go like this. I struck out for old New York, thought I'd find me a job. Got one leg up, one leg down. I come through a hole in the ground. Uh, Holland Tunnel, three-mile tube, skipping through the Hudson River Dew. I blowed into New York town. I looked up and I looked down. Everybody I seen on the streets was all a-running down a hole in the ground. I followed them, see where they's a-going. Newspaper said they're trying to smoke a rat out of the hole. <laughs> Sounds like a hoot. A hoot nanny. <laughs> Um, and then amazingly, just to like emphasize this part here, because I think Dave Berger uh, epitomizes exactly what you're feeling right now, which is we talk a lot about arrivals when we think about all these great artists showing up to the city, you know, that they weren't born in. Right. Bob Dylan, not so much exactly like a one to one to New York, but he is an iconic New Yorker because so much of his career started there. And there's so many people like that, you know, London and New York and L.A., like people that move there. We always talk about their arrivals and what they did after, but we never talk about the journey to get there and how fucking annoying it might actually be to be around Bob Dylan. So <laughs> yeah. here's Dave Berger, just so we know. And Kelly, he is he is channeling you here. Quote, we drove straight through without stopping, which was typically what we did. He was singing all the way. It was annoying. 
that weird monotonic kind of style with Woody's twang. It was a pain in the ass. As we got into New Jersey, I finally told him, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Amen, Dave. D- Dave Berger coming in, coming in hot. That's one of my favorite just early quotes. Like you just start a chapter with that and you're just like, yeah, fuck Bob Dylan a little bit. This, this annoying kid in the back just like singing fucking 1913 Massacre over and over. It's like, come on, don't please. Can we turn on the radio? Like anything. So I want to I want to talk about the song itself. So I broke it down into three different ways to talk about it. One is New York itself. Part one, New York. So it's kind of like a classic song. It's an arrival song. And then it's a like, I'm I'm getting screwed over like music business, like I'm living kind of song. And then it's kind of a I've made it and now I'm moving on type of song. So it kind of like rolls through the three in a very comical, very funny way. But the New York version, when we first start, we just see him coming into town, get some clear, you know, buildings up, some people on the ground, you know, we're just kind of rhyming here. But when he does talk about the the cold, you know, he's not lying there. The New York Times said it was the coldest in 17 years. It's still technically one of the coldest winters. Um, in living memory, I guess right now, because everybody would be in their eighties, you know, if they're mm. like, you know, remembering this, like Bob Dylan was when he was in his early twenties. Um, but in this year they had three different nor'easters come in. Um, one of them was in December, um, of 1960, uh, dropped 21 inches of snow, 286 people died as a result. Shit. And then there was one, which kind of lines up to when we think that Bob Dylan arrived in New York, which was, uh, uh, the 24th ish of, of January, according to Clinton Halen, uh, but on the Kennedy inauguration, cause he was inaugurated as president on January 20th. Um, there was what's called the Kennedy inaugural snow because in that area, it was just a bunch of snow and apparently his parade got really fucked up. I mean, cry a tear for Herbert, Herbert Hoover who couldn't make it. He was stuck on a plane. <laughs> oh no. Sad. And then in, uh, there was 18 inches dropped in February. So in terms of snow, like there is not 18 inches being dropped in New York City in my lifetime. I mean, there's been some big blizzards even in D.C. I mean, this all these things happen in Washington, D.C. too. That shit just doesn't happen anymore. I mean, climate change has changed that completely. But people just don't have that kind of relationship with like two feet of snow. I mean, Bob Dylan said in the song too, another cut lyric that there was two feet of snow on the ground. It's like, fuck. I don't um, think i I guess... Well, in Colorado, there was a blizzard in 2004, I think, that mm. was pretty intense. And there was definitely, you open your door and, like, there's snow there and it was up to your, like, waist easy. So, I, that's, but, it, like, again, I was like, I'm not cold. Because you're not standing right. out in it, you know what no, I mean? No, no, you don't go out feeling. there. I don't, or you go out there in, like, snowshoes and you jump out for a minute yeah. and you come back in, sure. Yeah, no, that's So, fair. it's not like, I haven't experienced the, the Woody Guthrie hardening cold that sure, folk sure. songs are written about. No, <laughs> I have not spiritually experienced that cold. Have I experienced cold temperatures? Yes. I think yes. those are two different things. And blizzards. I mean, I think that some people never get a chance to see those big snows, and they're like becoming more and more rare as well. So it's like, hey, kids, snow. Did you know? No, never heard of snow. Snow <laughs> doesn't exist anymore. Uh, I will say one of the the lyrics do change from version to version, not substantively. I wouldn't say yeah. like the meaning behind them. It doesn't really impact the overall feeling or the the point he's trying to get at. One thing he did not change from song to song, even just like a little word or like turn of phrase, was the uh, coldest winter in seventeen years. Uh, I didn't right. feel so cold then, and I yeah. don't understand what he means by that. What do you? What does he mean by I didn't feel so cold then? Um, I mean, I wrote down here that I love that it's like specific and universal at the same time. Like it's a very I feeling, but like I kind of like I believe I know what he's saying about like not feeling cold then because in the moment it was it was like 
the best thing in the world. You didn't feel yeah. anything but like euphoria. And now afterwards, it's like, oh, that was a cold winter. And you're like, yeah, I, yeah, sure. Winter, cold. I was cold, sure. But like, really, if you were to be asked to be like, I don't remember the cold. I wasn't cold. I don't remember what it was like to be cold. Oh, I stood on the street corners with my friends, but mm-hmm. I wasn't cold when I was hanging out with them all night. And I was drinking a bunch yeah. of beer and doing my shows like I wasn't cold in those coffee houses. You know, that kind of thing. That's kind of what I took it as, you know? That's what I assume, too. Or even, like, taking it more, like, going with the cold thing, too. Or, like, I don't know. I find snow really calming and just, like, melancholy, this nice feeling where it's, like, are we talking about emotional cold distanceness? Are we talking about actually being cold? You know, so I think that you're totally right that that that's the only way that I could take it was that like he perhaps it was cold, but it was the best time in my life. Maybe it was like I look on that so fondly. I mm-hmm. don't remember being cold, you know? Yeah. It's really or nice. or you can talk, talk it up to like a blank slate. I mean, he told uh, Dylan told Bill Flanagan in 2009, he said, quote, I didn't bring the past with me when I came to New York. Nothing back then. No, sorry, nothing back there would play any part of where I was going. And he talked in 1963 about being reborn in uh, New York City. So I think that's part of the, the the essence as well. You know, you didn't feel it because that's what maybe Minnesota would feel. And I'm not I'm no longer any of those things. So I feel something different or I'm on a different plane or who knows, you know, sure. but I do like the romantic, you know, like the possibility is so open, especially when you're young, you know, and obviously he's saying this in the song, but it's almost again, like an old man showing up and anticipating what you're going to feel like when you're older. Like that's a line you would probably write a lot older, right? 30 years from now, you're reminiscing about New York and you say, I didn't feel cold then. He's saying, I didn't feel cold back then in May. He wrote this song in May about the winter that just happened. I mean, five months ago, the clip that's happening at that point for Bob Dylan, even just as a writer, or if we take it like literally as a person, he's already like moving on from these moments and they're already getting cataloged in this certain way, which I find to be fascinating. You know, for some people it takes years to kind of like feel that way about a moment, but if he's already feeling that then like, wow. It also makes for a kind of miserable existence. Like it's really easy to get nostalgic about stuff and just lament and regret the fact that you didn't appreciate something while it was happening. So to be feeling that while you're basically still in it and very, very young is like, Oh, that doesn't super bode well for you. <laughs> <laughs> or it bodes the best. I mean, like, I mean, I, I, today, this morning, you know, I watched the CBS Sunday news morning news or whatever. They did a thing on the Bob Dylan center and they make a point of it, which we all know for Bob Dylan fans, you know, when he played at Kane's ballroom in April, he didn't even mention the Bob Dylan Center. It's right down the street. It's literally five <laughs> blocks away. He didn't say uh, anything about it. He's nice. not playing at any of these events. Name me somebody else who has something like this created in their name, honor, library, a museum, whatever the fuck it is, that would not show up. I mean, a Bruce Springsteen would show up. Oh, yeah. Prince, maybe not. But I think he would. I think I think Bob Dylan is like the singular person that just doesn't care like i mean it's the nobel prize thing obviously just doesn't give a fuck shows up in this fucking like sweatshirt it's it's amazing like i mean i like that that aloofness i mean and and if it works for him i i can only hope he's happy i'm sure money brings a little bit of that but like he's been rich and famous since he was 20 you know i'm sure for him it's like trying to work out how to be a person and knowing that like you're also being stunted by all this wealth and fame and what do you do to sort of separate that line? And he's never been able to really do it because people keep wanting to be in his life. And he probably in some ways wishes that they weren't and they just take the art for what it is and leave him the fuck alone. Like he might, I mean, I would like to believe that he's like the Bob Dylan center stupid, but whatever, if people are going to pay me money for it, whatever they can do whatever they want. But do I have to show up? No. And I think that's amazing. If he never ever even sets foot in it, right. All of your like past, all of your stuff, 
that's all your shit, man. And yeah. you're just, you don't even care. Okay. Whatever, man. I mean, you do it. I guess an optimistic spin on, on what I said would be like, maybe that makes you more grateful for the time and more cognizant of when you are in those moments going forward. That's the best take yeah, you I can think have so. for it. But, and like, yeah, I mean, obviously he has lived a life that we cannot really comprehend. Um, cause we've never, we never will experience something like that. Um, but I, and, and I, you have to imagine that he's had some great times after that too. It's just interesting. It's being, oh, young people are fucking idiots. That's all I, I think that's my, my, my <laughs> takeaway from this. Teenagers are fucking idiots and you think that everything is the end of the world all the time. And, uh, that, that is showing here, I think in some parts. You just know everything. Everything's super dramatic. You know everything. You can't be told. You're hardened. You've seen the world. <laughs> you already know everything there is to know. I just, yeah. That's probably the funniest and probably the most correct one, which is like, yeah, he's already, as a 20-year-old, being like, I've already moved on. It's um, too rough and tumble <laughs> here. But I think it's also, you know, with the Woody Guthrie thing, you're putting on that airs, right? That's what Woody would say. Like, I didn't feel cold then because... I'm riding the rails now. I've left that town. I'm moving on. I mean, and, and at the end of this, the song, he very funnily, you know, very humorously goes across the river to East Orange, New Jersey. But that's, I think, part of the whole thing. I, I didn't feel that back then. And, and and now I'm I'm moving on. And that's a very classic Woody Guthrie and a classic folk song in and of itself. But we'll get there in a minute. Part two, uh, the folk scene itself. I mean, we have him going to Greenwich Village. We have him ending up in those coffee houses that we know all about, a Cafe Wa and Gertie's and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we get him being called a hillbilly and he wants, they want folk singers, which is very fun for the time period that we're in. And then, um, kind of a commentary on him playing a dollar's worth. And then that's all his value really is. Cause at the end of the day, after everything, he still is just making a dollar uh, per day. Um, so a little bit of commentary on the music industry, if you want to call it that, even though it's, he's very new to that world and that world is rapidly changing. I mean, like Albert Grossman is in the wings. Um, did you have any, any thoughts on that? So uh, I did not know East Orange was in New Jersey. And then I was like, oh, there is a song on our playlist. That's East Orange, New Jersey. So every time I listen to this song before putting those pieces together, uh, I was like, oh, he's going to Orange County, California, I guess, because he says Western Skies. I was like, oh, it's going all the way to California. But now I know that why it's a joke is because it's like the neighborhood over. It's just right <laughs> it's across like, the river, yeah. It's just over there. So that's pretty funny. Yeah, there was a couple of times... In the live versions, most of the, like all three of them, I think was pretty consistently where there would be a laugh and I didn't understand why there was a laugh. Um, so he says Greenwich Village and then he adds Folklore Center. Gets a laugh from the crowd every time and I don't know why. Well, I swung on to my old guitar and I grabbed hold of a subway car from a rock and reel and roll and ride and landed up on the downtown side. Greenwich Village, Folklore Center. Is he young? I don't think, I think it's just an in, you're in the know. Folklore Center, Is he young? Was the head of the folk center. Folklore Center. Okay. And okay. he has a song called Talking, Fol- Folk, Talking Folklore Center Blues as well. So there's mm-hmm. another, not recorded, but just lyrics for it. So it's just yeah, where so- the, where they go, where the kids go to play music and trade songs. Okay. So Is he young was the head of that. And then mm-hmm. who's. Theodore Bricknell? Bucknell? Bricknell? He's a civil rights um guy. I think he's involved in the folk scene. He's the one that got Bob Dylan down to Mississippi to play with Pete Seeger, you know, for the to sign up 
um, in what is it? Yeah, Mississippi, Greenwood, Mississippi, to sign up black, you know, sharecroppers. Oh, the, you might um, not know. Yeah, he plays only upon in their game. I mean, we'll talk about that when that happens. Okay. But um, yeah, he's just a civil rights guy. Okay. Uh, he might be involved with the um, with the um, Newport Folk Festival as well. He's just kind of there. Gotcha. He's just kind of a fixture. But like, he's a young. Like, he's a young. Had the Folklore Center itself, which is a place to get books and trade songs. And I Bicknell was probably just another attachment to that world. So okay, yeah. I was just again the laughing. I was just like, I don't. <laughs> I don't understand this reference, but you guys, I, I gotcha. I'm glad yeah. he added that to the song because he clearly knew his audience. He knows his audience, yes. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of any of the other ones that there was a laugh, but I'll let you know <laughs> when we get to them. Well, the Hillbilly one, did that get a laugh? I don't remember. I, I don't oh, maybe. To the yeah. Uh, well, I, one of the versions, the We Want Folk Singers Here, people were like, oh, yeah, that's pretty great because, yeah, you know, you're you're so country fried and so so authentic and so different. It's pretty funny that they wouldn't appreciate that. But we're real punks. We're the real folk punks. And right. we get you, Bob. We're your people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, well, the next verse after that where he's like he says in some of the live versions, it paid my my join a union paid my dues mm, which yeah. clearly he was part of the waste management union i guess briefly uh <laughs> or that was all who knows that could have not been true but uh he adds at the end of that in the live versions uh paid him six months in advance that gets a big laugh too mm, i don't mm. really know why. i don't know i don't I, d- I doubt it's anything to do with real unions you know i think it's just you paid your dues and that's just a, a turn of phrase you know and i think like you're making commentary on maybe the dime a dozenness of folk singers so you're just out here mm doing shit like that so you're paying your own dues or whatever i I don't know or perhaps see the only other way that i read that was perhaps uh he was commenting on i paid my do my dues six months in advance and then i became a super famous folk singer so wasn't that stupid because i was like mm-hmm. the next day i was famous <laughs> and i wasted all that money well, paying he's union dues. well at that point when he's singing those it would be he would be famous um when he wrote it he was not famous so i think you can put whatever you want into it for me it was just a you know you're even for the dollar a day you're sort of working for you know, you're pay, still paying these union dues but for what you know like i'm working my butt off and i'm getting told i'm a hillbilly and i'm still making a dollar a day i'm not making any more money even with the union so maybe it's a little jab at the union i don't know not there's hey, not a real how union, much is but a, just union it's a dollar a day is that a living artist wage guess what Today's money, nine dollars seventy one cents. No, that is no, no money at all. <laughs> that is no money at all. <laughs> well, yeah. But he so got that's... paid for his art. You know, that's hard. That's hard. That's hard. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bet you money that he made more than a dollar a day. That's gonna be my guess. Mm-hmm. He probably went from zero to way more than a dollar a day. Um well, I'm passing around the hat. I mean it might come out to a dollar, you know. You never know. You never know with all this stuff. Um I mean so with that's inflation, making... if he made four dollars a day you know that's like 30 something dollars yeah 36 dollars that's still not enough (laughs) it's not enough i mean yeah with inflation yeah it's just not enough you really couldn't do much with that he needs to make more he needs to make something like 300 million dollars you know he needs to figure that out can he do that who knows um so that's the making it part of the whole thing for me it's like you know he goes to the club he needs to play folk music, which I think is funny. Um, and then it's like, you know, the struggle to make it, you know, you kind of have to work your way through. And maybe even, it's even commentary on Bob Dylan didn't have to do that. I don't know. We You can't read this man. I'm not quite sure. And then, of course, there's the moving on aspect at the end. You know, we've got, um, you know, the, a very great man once said, some people rob you um, with a with a fountain pen 
Of course, that's Woody Guthrie telling you that. And I think in a way, sort of commenting there with the union boss, you know, if that's a character in this, that, you know, people are going to steal from you. Like, that's kind of, that's a problem. So I need to get out of here because now I just wanted to be a singer. And now I've found my way into the folk music complex and I'm paying union dues for this damn thing. And now I need to get the fuck out of here. So that's kind of what I'm seeing here. And I think he's really on the nose with that. Like he doesn't know it yet, but he's on the nose with that. Like, you know, the stones and the Beatles and everyone are about to meet people that are going to make them super famous and outside of the context of like, passing the hat at Gertie's, you know what I mean? And it's like, they're also going to get their money fucking stolen from these people. So he is not lying about, you know, they're, they're going to rob you with a fountain pen. Like Albert Grossman's about to take you to town, my friend and take everyone to town. Um, and then the song ends. Um, yeah, I mean, basically with, I mean, it's pretty dark when he's just like, you know, they got forks and knives and they got to cut something like that is my favorite line for sure. That is so good. And then he adds in the live version, he says, watch out afterwards. Like, don't do that. No, that lessens the line. It makes it weaker. It really, really does. Because, like, that's the thing you're supposed to be like, they got to cut something. And then you leave. It's one of those don't show the monster in the movie thing because it makes it scarier. Don't fucking say, watch out. You just turned into a joke. Why? But it's a jokey song. So it would be weird to just be like, this is. Well, no, it wouldn't be weird for him, I guess. Maybe for the time, though. It's like. Haha, ha, we're having fun, aren't we? And then here's a really serious message about um, poverty, content and incoming managers. inequality. <laughs> well, no, but just like the the folk scene and people trying to take advantage of you in the folk scene, like that's kind of weird. I mean, it, as a universal thing, yes, there's people always trying to steal you, and these fucking ghouls have got to cut something, and they're going to cut you up. I mean, I think we all feel that today, and that that line definitely like resonates beyond itself. But I could see him wanting to be like, LOL. We're just we're oh. kidding around here. Oh, so you think the people with the forks and knives are the people trying to rob you with the fountain pen? See, I took that as mm. they the people with the fountain pen and better be careful because there's a lot of fucking Ooh. poor people out here and you're taking advantage of them and they got to cut something. See, I thought it was like a line of empowerment. Oh, fuck it out of here. No, I think you're you think you're right here. Um, Just sorry. It didn't take too long to find out just what he was talking about. Oh, a very great man said that. What he's talking about. A lot of people don't have much food on their table, but they got forks and knives. They got to cut something. You're right. Yeah. No, totally. Well, that's a that's fair. I guess I didn't even put two and two together. Um, yeah, just that's he was why it's such about, a good line. That's true. I mean, I like that. Now, don't say watch out. Or say watch out, maybe because Albert Grossman's in the, you know, he's mm. in the performance right there. He's just sitting there. And he's like, watch yeah. out, Albert. Yeah, that, okay, you. that's fine. Yeah, but it did get a laugh. I will say in this last section of the song, he tr- he rhymed the word said with pen and also rhymed the word warm with town. So impressive. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he's already a wordsmith, you know, that's what he's known for. Um, and then finally we get, um, you know, the great ending, which is um, so one morning when the sun was warm, I rambled out of New York town. I pulled a cap a little huckleberry fin cap over my eyes and headed out for western skies so long new york howdy east orange new, new jersey, jersey. Right. <laughs> so just right across right across the what the east river uh no the hudson the hudson river uh yeah so he he went there and uh 
the the Gleasons. The Gleasons knew um, Woody Guthrie. He went there. There's a famous uh, East Orange bootleg tape that they recorded, the Gleasons recorded, that you can listen to, and we'll probably have some examples of that down the road at some point. Um, a lot of very early Bob Dylan stuff, and he played a couple songs from Freewheeling and from the Bob Dylan record during this time period. So he was friends with the Gleasons who lived in East Orange and offered him a, a couch to sleep on if he needed to get away from the city. Oh, uh, just a quick note on the couple of different versions. They are very samey. The lyrical changes, like I said, are, are are there, but they're not substantive. It's mostly just adding little things on. Um, as time went on, he was more like, you know, Chuck in-group stuff. We're all folk singers here. That was kind of fun. Uh, he does, in the Carnegie Hall version, which was from 61, there is no harmonica of all the versions. That's the only one without harmonica, and it is a little bit slower. And I think that his guitar playing is even more technical, maybe just because he's not messing with the harmonica. There's even more stuff going on. Or maybe you could just hear it easier um, because it's just slightly slower. So that was impressive. But, yeah, it's it's pretty samey all the way through with the exception of a, a few editions. So I don't know if you need to listen to the other versions unless you want to laugh along with the audience at his uh, little quips. And and there is um some talking at the beginning of the one, the Gerties one, I think. Here's a New York song. This isn't like the usual New York songs. A lot of songs you hear nowadays about New York, they're all the, the glamour kind on the 42nd Street uh, Broadway theaters. You hear them all the time. New York, New York, the wonderful town. Let's go to New York for our vacation and see what a great town it is. It's, this wasn't written up there where all those songs are written. This is written down in the United States. You know, bitching about <laughs> New York, basically. Um, and there's, at the end of the town hall version, he's he, like, he tunes down the, the guitar a whole bunch. And then right before the song comes off, he, he like, is plucking at his strings and he says getting shot and i was like who's getting shot what happened and this it just ends i was like what who's getting shot i don't understand i don't remember so. what the next song is um because that is a great one to listen to too the 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 versions that columbia have released of that they've released that whole concert as part of the copyright thing in europe um but they cut off all the talking because they're fucking heathens so yeah. you've got to find and the version that i have and we listen to is a great quality a great great quality but it, yeah. it's hard to break it up you know because you just you want to play the whole thing so the next song is probably going to pick up where that left off and um yeah because there's a lot of talking throughout and i think that's what makes it like an an ideal bootleg series hopefully at some point they do that i don't i'm i don't know but um but the talking is like amazing there's so many fun jokes and and the audience is so receptive which i really love and makes a cool oh. good concert also a note on his voice i did kind of notice or maybe i was just willing it to happen that this is the most recent in time like so the furthest away from the recording of it because it's that one's from 63 if the metadata right. is to be believed so we're like three years on from him recording it i guess or like singing it for the first time uh, the the Woody Guthrie, like the clear aping of Woody Guthrie style and voice is toned down just a little bit. It's like you can really hear who he's turning into and how he's kind of leaving that behind a little bit. So yeah. that was interesting, too. Well, that concert at the end of that concert, he delivers his last thoughts on Woody Guthrie, episode 35 for us. So mm -hmm. that was kind of, if you will, the sort of like breakup with Woody. You know, it's kind of like I've done my time and here we are. So in a way it's, I'm, I'm with you. Like it, it sounds so different and it's, it's fun to hear on, on that, on the, the town hall, but it's definitely, it just still isn't that great of a song in my opinion. Um, so does this song work today for you? 
you know my stance is usually if it's a guitar you know it's it's classic it's not going to age poorly from a musical aspect and i guess that does play here but i do not think that this song works today i think it's definitely of a time the idea of a talking song is something that we don't really do today period and just like the you know blocking it into 1960s new york with the content of the song and the scene you know commenting so much on that scene specifically that uh i do not think it works and it's it is a personal song even though he tries to keep it vague it is one man's experience one man's opinion so i don't know that it uh yeah i'm gonna say conclusively no it does not work yeah i mean that's exactly the reasons for me i mean robert shelton said quote vintage dylan um this proclaims his true writing talent, his uh, sardonic view of the music business, and his control over humor and timing. I do believe that those are true. I think in a trajectory of Bob Dylan, there's there's a lot of funny in here. There's a lot of personal becoming universal. And how does that work as a song? I think the song is structured really well. And it flows. Like, there's a lot of great to it. It's a great song from 1961. It's something that you should definitely listen to if you're a Bob Dylan fan. It is not in the same league as Song to Woody. Um so if you're going to pick one from his that record that has two, it's obviously it's going to be Song to Woody. And Talking Songs, you're right. We just don't do them today. And I think that makes it novel, but it also dates it pretty exclusively. Um, but as a historical aside, even if you wanted history, again, I would just say Hard Times in New York Town. Just so much more concise. Get to the point. The same points are being made. Maybe not about the music industry or like the folk industry. I mean, maybe that's something that... This song only has, but how many people are that interested in that today? And if you're a Bob Dylan fan, mm-hmm. folk isn't the only realm. Like, I mean, if you're going to be a Bob Dylan fan, you can't just be a fan of folk music. You've got to be a fan of blues and rock and all kinds of stuff. You've, you've got to expand the palette. So in that way, it just isn't a universal song. So yeah, it's going to be a pass for me. And it's I just don't really listen to it that often. But it was fun to listen to. I will say that. And our playlist uh, Slack, which we'll get to in a minute. So. So one morning when the sun was warm, I rambled out of New York town, pulled my cap down over my eyes, headed out for the western skies. So long, New York. Howdy, East Orange. Kelly, did you know that we are a real podcast and sometimes we are in regular homes doing stuff and we have internet and it's not snowing and we're not in cars driving for whatever reason out to the desert to read books. Um, did you know that we do that sometimes? And sometimes we also like go on to social media and stuff and we tweet things. Did you know that? I mean, I do not know that, but uh, I believe you. Yeah. It happens sometimes, but, um, you know, you can just continue to listen to us, you know, the world changes so much. And like this whole idea that you have to be on social media all the time, it's getting old. I think we're all kind of tired of it. You follow the feed, man, follow the feed. If you want, you know how to listen to this podcast. Bam. You want to give us some money. Patreon.com slash SOTW pod, SOTW pod.com for whatever you would want to do with that. You can go do that. We do a playlist, baby. It's called See That My Playlist Is Kept Clean. It's free. It's on Spotify. It updates live. So if you're listening to this song in 2027, what are we doing now? What are we doing in 2027, Kelly? Or imagine if I asked I you know. in 2012, what were we doing in 2017? We would have balked at that. We would have said, oh, 2017. What is that? That's a fake year. That's a fake um, year. So Patreon. So Jonas, right? Jonas. Jo- Jonas, Jonas? I, have to, I have to scroll back. I had to take um, photos of my of my notes here because I'm on an iPad and an iPhone and my computer. Um, let me confirm that it's Jonas here. Oh, how far back do I need to go? All the way. 
to the you probably wrote this down it's gonna be it's jonas of course it's jonas Jonas. or maybe it's jonas i don't know swedish right his name is jonas yes and he's carrying the wind thanks for all you told us or whatever the lyrics to that was your song uh we didn't exclaim enough this episode is jonas jonas's fault blame them uh, or praise them for bringing it to you because part of the Patreon thing is you get to, to sponsor an episode if you give That's us a dollar. Right. The first time you give us a dollar, yeah. So thank you so much. The the listenership thanks you. The Bob Dylan fandom mm. thanks you mm. uh, or blames you. So uh, so thanks or possibly how dare you. How dare you and thanks. That's our podcast in a nutshell. So if you've enjoyed uh, <laughs> listening to this, I mean, go to get the show notes. Uh, the link to that is right here in your phone. Just like swipe up, hit that link to our uh, Spotify and you can listen to the, the playlist for this week, which we always love That's to talk okay. about our playlist because it was it was fucking great. Um, so welcome back to the playlist for the second time. I'm going to break this down like this second time for the New York Dolls personality crisis. XX Tension. Dead. But he did a yes. song called King. Uh, John Greenway uh, has to be on here for the Talking Blues. That's and, definitely not how you say his name. Extension. Isn't it just Extension? No, no. Remember, we, we did this back in the day. We did this after he died. It's it's like XXX Tension. I think it's Extension. <laughs> XXX Tension. Okay. Well, that song was unexpectedly good. It was unexpectedly. How was that even him? I don't think it actually was. Yeah. It must have been after he died. And it's like, just throw fucking bring me to the horizon on it and like call it a day. <laughs> I mean, whatever's happening with music, sometimes it baffles me. And honestly, I don't really understand who made that song. That song yeah. just exists. And I'm into it. Uh, John Greenway, Talking Blues, original Talking Blues. He's been on here before during to, uh, talking John Birch blues. We did high inflation blues. We don't know, no, no, know nothing about high inflation blues. Don't here. know nothing about that. And finally the great polar bear club that uh, I'll never leave New York. One of my favorite um, songs. And I love that band so much. RIP to that band four times. Kelly, we've listened to the yeah, yeah, yes. This was not nice. their finest hour. I will say, but no. it had to be on here. The BC boys always good to hear uh, open letter to NYC. I remember this song. Coming out the night post nine eleven, it was a big not. deal. It was right after nine eleven. We got some shout outs. Kind of the, embarrassing. It's a little embarrassing. It's a little. I mean, it's it's not embarrassing in two thousand and two, but it is right. embarrassing in twenty twenty two, and that's how cringe works. Honestly, yes. I mean, you can't listen to Bruce Springsteen's, you know, "Come on up for the rise" and and not be like, "Oh yeah, no that that did not age well." mainly because we went and bombed Iraq and like, it just like nothing good ever came out of anything we ever do. So don't do it. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Just don't just, comment just, on anything. Don't ever. Comment. <laughs> never, never comments on anything ever. It, I mean, Bob Dylan, whenever he makes a weird political stand, I think that's why he doesn't do it. Cause it's just like, it does. It just doesn't age. Well, those, those are your options. You be vague, ignore the world outside or never create anything ever. Yeah. But, well, because a great uh, cut to that is the AAS that was post nine 11 as well. And so was Interpol. The NYC famous, uh, like with the strokes and stuff. I mean, after 9 11, that was the era of Interpol, the strokes, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, really? NYC was enormous. That was a huge song. And it was a huge, I mean, unlike Open Letter or The Rising, that song I think still holds up. And that's a song about grief and about New York City and about post 9 11 New York City as well. I love that song. I think it's great. Um, and then Billie Holiday for the fourth time as well, Autumn in New York City, which I listened to this morning as it started snowing. Did you know that it's snowing out here? In Central Oregon in May? Only because you told me. 
Yeah, I think Blossom Deary. I'm like that. Pretty sure Blossom Deary does a cover of that as well. Um, oh yeah, so I'm nice almost guarantee really you that that's uh, just a standard. Yeah. And then for the sixth time, Justin Towns Earl down in the Lower East Side, RIP. It's been like two years since he passed away. So love to put him on there and um, represent New York itself. Then we had a couple of newbies to our playlist world. Um, one of my favorite songs, Tancreed, Queen of New York. Oh, she is married so good. to um, Jenny Owens Young and they oh, live in Maine. Now? And they have a dog right now. Oh. Okay, so this is the new wife. Excuse me. Yes, the second so, best. So this is the second best Buffy podcast coming for. Oh. Well, that makes me so you, happy. I had no idea. I was yeah. just like, she's singing about a woman. I'm on board. Uh, right. But then that's what a fun little fact. Uh, I definitely need to check out the rest of her stuff. Wow. I need to write a folk song that's called Lesbians Don't Throw Your Children Off of Bridges. Hey, Cookie don't do boo-boo. it. <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> Uh, Jake Tilson uh, playing harmonica. I don't know who this is, but uh, on the uh, November eighteenth, nineteen ninety five, playing harmonica in New York and on the subway. Uh, I yeah. thought that was a pretty nice little touch. Uh, good job, Daniel, um, finding that random little harmonica yeah. solo. I just wanted a little bit of bite, a little New York sound bite. You know, we 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 weren't there in nineteen ninety five. We were not recording that, so we don't know no. where it came from. I don't know anything about the guy. So Jake Tilson, if you're out there listening, thanks for listening. We love it. Um, and then you did a whole tall, you know. Talking well, New York. T- yeah, duh. Talking New York. And we did King yeah. already, but we have Tall from Hans and what, um, Masco? Maxo. 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 Nah, who fucking knows? Uh, sure. That was, that was something. And then we have New from New, No Doubt for the first time. No Doubt. Hell yeah, from Return of Saturn, no man. It was Wasn't it so good? I was like, fuck, man. No, you know, it, No Doubt's one of those bands that was insanely, incredibly popular, so they automatically just get phased out of my mind but I, who did not love tragic kingdom who did not listen to that album on repeat forever uh and, and this was the one right after i'm pretty sure right um it was so good i have not listened to no doubt in forever and i think i'm gonna have to do a little dive because holy shit i mean maybe only you know until they are insufferable but uh it's well you know the lore is she stole the band quote unquote from her brother because this was her brother's band and then they just throw Gwen on the track and now we got something man now we got something and and they did they did and yeah no doubt I would love to hear some more no doubt because that Tragic Kingdom was definitely an album like Eve 6 that Eve 6 record I just have very specific memories of like being at my friend's house and his uh, sister who was a couple years older than us listened to those two things on repeat and so it was just like that was like a summer of just that whatever 94 95 whenever that show came out wild stuff yeah, uh, cr- so inside out is on the, their self-title from 98 98 okay so enough. i'm assuming it's going to be that one inside the song out. with inside out on it you know the blender want to put much in oh sorry sorry eve six yeah 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 no yeah absolutely yes that's a song but in the whole record was like kind of whatever i don't even remember any other songs on there but i was just a kid clearly so 11 on the roof is like the only other song of theirs that i really know the words to. oh here's to the night those were all on different Mm, here's to the night different albums oh shit okay wow different albums got we got to put eve six that's our that's our new mission right now put eve six on the playlist (laughs) we need to figure it out We'll make um, it happen. Christian Lofner, very long, seven minutes, but uh, York uh, oh, man. Final, finalizes your new talking New York.
Yeah, it was so good. It was so good. I was like, I have to have listened to this guy before, but I didn't have any of his other shit liked. So that's something I'm definitely going to dive into because I loved it. It's clearly up my alley. It's something that I'm into, you know, you know, very predictable. <laughs> I mean, so am I. Uh, Boogie Down Productions, 100 Guns. This was part of my five mic listening experience, KRS-One. I fucking love it. I think the bass line is so fun. The way he's rapping. I fucking love this song a lot. Um, LCD Sound System, New York. I love you, but you're bumming me out. Another post 9-11, very big band. I mean, him, the guy, you know, very big DJ dude. Um, what do you think about those ones? Yeah, the uh, I've never heard of Boogie Down Productions, so that was definitely... Uh, well, I mean, I know KRS-One. I didn't realize he was, like, in a group. Yeah, it's kind of... It's like when you realize that um, Tupac was in D- Digital Underground for like three seconds, and you're like, "Wait, right. what the fuck?" Right. Um, so, so I guess that makes sense. I'll have to check this out. This Pookie Down Productions, but I mean, it's it's, it's like a pretty yeah. classic reggae, like very just low key. It's nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Ninety. Yep. So, I mean, and again, that dates the production value. That dates some of the stuff, and I think it can get away with stuff um, based upon that. Uh, and then, uh, and, and then finally, the very last one. Oh, yeah, sorry, you got a thing on the LCD. Oh yeah, no, that was just beautiful. It was like a very haunting song. Yeah, it is. It is very nice. Um, uh, he, he seems like a dick in real life, but like the music oh, I don't know constantly was like, okay. I mean, I read that book about me being in the bathroom, and I was like, yeah, this guy not really for me. And then I, I never wanted to listen to the music because it's just like DJ stuff, and I'm like, nah, I don't really do that shit. Um, but then listening to it just as part of listening to the book, I'm like. It's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. Uh, and then finally, Ray Anthony, a uh, little peach from East East Orange. Um, you were confused about its existence, but there you go. I've explained it now. And that was just a fun yeah. little, um, fun little. little I ditty. feel like that's on a Fallout soundtrack, but maybe it's just I know, that's... the ilk of that. Oh yeah, know. oh yeah. That was my first instinct too. I mean, any big band. So, anyways, if you want to listen to that in real time, too late, it's over. But if you want to listen to that forever, <laughs> you can just search the name of this episode with SOTW. Oh, or 139 at the end, you know, you'll find it one way or the other. You guys are smart out there. Kelly, we were also people in the world for this last month or so, um, but we're just going to talk about the last week or so. Uh, We hung out, as we've mentioned. Um, We did a lot of, um, you know, gardening and just hanging out. It was kind of nice some days and rainy the others, and I'm here waiting for summer, and it's never going to come. But what did you do this last couple of of weeks of note that you want to pass on to our intrepid listeners? Well, we... You and I and Stacia collectively watched yeah. Russian Doll season one and two. Mm. We had already watched season one. We made Daniel uh, watch the first season again because we also need to watch the first season again ahead of the season two release. Excellent show. Uh, Flight Attendant, same thing. We have not started watching season two, but we we're going to start watching season two. And then Daniel was like, that's fine. I can just jump in. And I was like, no, you can't. So we watched all Flight Attendant. Also great. Uh, but we have not watched season two yet. No spoilers, everyone. We will yeah. watch it. When Don't tweet at back. Kelly. Yeah, Twitter. as if as if <laughs> oh god uh we watched a film from the year 2000 called oh dungeons and dragons did, uh yeah. starring jeremy fucking irons and Oof. uh thora birch i guess kind of and also marlon waynes uh it was Oof. horrible it's absolutely horrible some of the worst cg i've ever seen in my life i cannot believe real fucking top dollar actors were in that movie fantastic watched a movie starring none other than buffy the vampire slayer herself sarah michelle geller called Simply Irresistible from the year 1999. Did you know the guy in that movie is the guy from fucking Boondock Saints? I looked him up earlier a second ago trying to remember the name of the movie and I was like, 
Why does that guy keep showing up with Norman Reedus? Oh my God, it's That's the guy crazy. from fucking Boondock Saints. I never would have clocked him in a million years. Also, whatever. What, was, what was the quote from that movie? movie? Oh my God, I can't remember. There were so many fake turns of phrases. But it was the thing about sex. Oh, Every, you only get 10 minutes of... Uh... Everyone 20 minutes gets of sexual oh my I'm not <laughs> sexual look oh looking my or something sexual thoughts or something oh my god simply irresistible hands. how would simply you even <laughs> look that up irresistible it's definitely something about like sex like sexual, sexual thoughts thought. isn't it put quote on it or something and see um oh surely god. we're not the only ones who would like cringe one one good said by Sarah Michelle Geller <laughs> one good sexual thought takes at least 20 minutes <laughs> Right. right, right. <laughs> because the whole joke is that men think about sex every, sex every seconds, seven seconds yeah. or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. And then she's like, I can't understand that because one consensual thought lasts at least 20 minutes. And it's just like, oh, fucking mwah. what a what an amazing movie. I mean, the movie's not good. I, I've never watched like um, a rom-com, like a like a made for TV rom-com. Not that this necessarily was. It definitely was in theaters. But Daniel, you've watched a couple of Christmas ones, courtesy of hanging out oh, with your yeah. fam. Stacia's definitely watch a bunch of them hanging out with some of her friends and I was like I've, I've watched rom- I've watched the top tier rom-coms and I have enjoyed them okay this is not that this is a definitely other genre of film that I was never privy to and to see Sarah Michelle Gellar in my opinion debase herself to do it I was oh, just disappointed God. I gotta say well we love a, we love a, a Santa watch. showing up we love a Santa showing up we love a character <laughs> who, we, who we met twice he showed up at the market and showed up as mm. the taxi driver and we were excited about right, the magical their man. existence and he was going to yeah. show up at the restaurant later or whatever. No, he was there to uh, pawn off magic crabs. There was a crab, the crab that was never put right. into. Yep, I know. You just forget about the crab. But the crab was why oh she God. was able, through symbiosis, able to cook. She was never, she was a chef. It was her mom's restaurant. I'll but give her that. But a bad chef. But she's a bad chef. And then she becomes a great chef. And it's not even that her food is delectable to die for. And people just like want to have sex with her. And the guy is going to have sex with her because, oh, I make such good food. And that's the conflict. No, it's, they never resolve that conflict. The crab doesn't go into the pot or die or not come to the big, yeah. you know, fucking thing at the end of the movie. No, everybody just does whatever she's doing. So if she's sad, then they're all sad. And it's like a symbiosis from the crab to her and then from her to the rest of New York City. And it never explained. Yes. And it is bonkers. And I, I loved it. It was fucking <laughs> ridiculous. But I feel bad for Sarah because she, she just didn't need to do this movie. And this was after I know what she did last summer. So it's like... Mm. Oh, yeah. This was 1999. 19- this is season three Buffy. This is Pete Geller, maybe, people might argue. And then right after this, she's going to do Scooby-Doo. And she, you know, she was doing all the cameos cool in the movies. Yeah, fucking cruel intentions. Come on, man. Uh huh. Tough. What are we doing? She needed to anyway. pivot. This was the pivot. You want to know why she's that way in cruel intentions? It's not because of Buffy. <laughs> Buffy's not some like team care. It's because of fucking simply irresistible. Simply irresistible. <laughs> and you expect them to play simply irresistible, and they never fucking play the song. Mm. Cowards. That Cowards. was the other thing. They never fucking played the song. How can you not? Uh, Cowards. In Incredible. We also watched Spice World, courtesy of Stacia. Ooh, that was a, a, a nonsensical, not plot having, ridiculous movie, but definitely fun to watch. Uh, and we watched a real movie called Nightmare Alley uh, that was okay. Could have been better. Daniel wrote a better ending to the movie the second after it ended. And I was like, wow. Wow. Anyway. Tweet me and I'll tell you the ending. <laughs> the real ending. <laughs> but for music, I did listen to a little bit of music. I uh, w- went back to my um, 
uh, Heat Rocks playlist that I made for, based on the mm. podcast, all the albums that they listened to. I listened to Run DMC's 1986 mm. Raising Hell. I've never listened to any of their albums before. Sure. It, it's pretty good. I mean, like it, it falls into that very 80s kind of like, we talk in a very certain way, and now it's just a joke because we don't do that today. You know, like we... It, it, it is that but the beats are really recognizable i mean i think they were obviously sampling other artists but other artists have certainly gone on to sample their versions of the songs uh it was you know it's tricky is on that everyone in their whole, oh yeah everyone in the world has heard that song uh, and walk this way obviously is on that album TikTok. too but from tiktok yeah. they've heard it from tiktok sure i'm sure they have mm-hmm. we've heard it from tony hawk okay oh that's we also true and also before that but true and this yeah. is a retroactive five five micer as well so it's another one that okay. i'll re-listen to as well so gotcha i was uh surprised at the song raising hell uh the title track is really really good there's actually like a cool kind of medley guitar riff in it and um it's, it was really good definitely worth a listen I'm, it was really instructive it's like a very instructive album that like i understand a lot more of of hip-hop and just li- from listening to that so that was really cool in that vein a band i have s- never listened to but it's one of those things that like how have you never listened to um you know the b-52s like how have you never gone and actually listened to them because they were such sure. a band fucking depeche mode courtesy of russian doll because the soundtrack was great sure i actually went and listened to i mean everyone's heard personal jesus uh you know all the the, the bigger depeche mode songs but i've never actually listened to any of their albums Me and too. they're totally a band that i should have mm. listened to uh, but I knew that they were not great. Like, I knew in my heart that their stuff wasn't going to be good. So I went to rate your music. I listened to the top four albums, uh, of which uh, 1986, Black Celebration, 1987, Music for the Masses, 1990, Violator, and 1993, Songs of Faith and Devotion. Mm. Uh, the number one being 1990's Violator, which I was kind of surprised at because they're such an 80s band. And in fact, they had released four or five albums before Violator came out. Um, or actually, wow. no, way more than that. Sorry. Uh, four or five albums before 1986's Black Celebration came out, which is number two on the list. Yeah, so their, their peak being in 1990 i did not see that coming but it was such a great listen um some of it's a little tough to get through because it's very like they do a lot of synth stuff but like i i feel so dumb because it's so obvious the bands that i love being influenced by them because they like definitely laid the groundwork for so much of that um they also you know break the silence which was one of their singles but tori amos does a beautiful cover of that that's definitely the way that i hear that song and rammstein did a cover of stripped that I've only ever heard that song, Rammstein's version, and hearing Depeche Mode's version, it's better. I was shocked. Like it is, it's wow. like beautiful. So I would say Black Celebration, the whole album is worth listening to. Violator, the whole album is absolutely worth listening to. Uh, it's really like Violator's probably the best one. Maybe that's why Rate Your Music rated it number one. But the song yeah. Waiting for the Night is excellent. Also, Personal Jesus and and uh, Break sure. the Silences or Enjoy the. And we listened to too, so. Christmas Island, right? That was Depeche Mode, or huh? Christmas Island on our playlist. Oh, yeah. Who was that? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, that was on one of their... Yeah, yeah. you're right. That was on so, one of their... That might have also oh, been a seed in your brain, too, where you're like, yeah. the Pesh Mode. It's a thing. Why Because, yeah, we really liked the, the Christmas Island. Because I think Christmas Island yes. was like the 80s, too. Like, after the Black Celebration or whatever, it was like an EP Yeah, 86 that, also. I'm pretty yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, So... Yes, it was... Because I think we yeah. talked about that, that when we talked about that. But cool. Yeah, I've never listened to Pesh Mode, so there you go. Yeah, there's like five or six songs... Um, that are really stand out and very, very good, in my opinion, of those four albums. But they're all worth listening to. I would say the worst one, which was rated, you know, of those four by Rate Your Music as the worst, the Songs of Hate the Devotion from 93 is pretty mm. bad. Um, okay. It's because it does have a weird, like, gospel-y feel to it sometimes. It's just like, I don't know. The song Rush is okay on that album, but otherwise I would say leave it off. Those three, though, specifically Violator, go listen to that. Anyway, Daniel, what did you do? 
Well, um, yeah, I mean, we're going to get into stuff because we're out of time here. Um, you know, I've traveled back across the country, so not to give anything away, but had some fun car stuff happen. So you'll need to tune in next week to find out about what happened with that car stuff. Um, <laughs> I am, I listen to, you know, it's been weird. I've been like catching up on podcasts. I have a lot of books that I'm reading. My whole my CV right now, everybody, is to sit in the desert and read books. But I, I have listened to Whitney Houston to prepare for uh, a book called Didn't We Almost Have It All by Garrett Kennedy that I do want to read. And so far, so good. It's definitely not my type of music, um, but I'm I'm trying my best to keep an open mind. And I'm hoping the book can really kind of bring it all out to me. Thursday, one of my favorite bands of all time, put out a live uh, recording of them doing their Album Full Collapse, which is now 21 years old. Happy birthday to Full Collapse. Um, a perfect record. And the the live was pretty good. This was from a couple years ago, pre-COVID. Um, so I love that. And then I want to ask a very important question for you, Kelly. Do you remember Atticus, the the shirt brand from Tom DeLonge and I believe the other Blink-182 airs? But Atticus, type uh, it in. Atticus, Atticus uh, clothing. Tom. And just, you might have recognized the logo, the dead bird. Oh, yeah, I did. Yep. And you probably see, it. you know, Blink-182 wearing Atticus because they were rocking the Atticus back in 2001, 2002. Right. Anyways, then you would not be aware of the Atticus Dragging the Lake compilation that came out in 2002. Nope. That was not your scene. Definitely okay. not. So this was maybe one of the most popular uh, compilations back in a world where you had compilations. And I was reminded, thanks to the internet, the scourge of humanity that it's 20 years old and that 20 years ago I bought this compilation or I got it when I bought Atticus clothing. Cause of course I had that when I was 16 years old. Um, right. And it's, it was amazing. Uh, so many bands that I just like take for granted now are on this compilation. If you're looking it up, the it's the first drag in the lake and we, it starts out with alkaline trio, Jake on green beers. And instantly when I was listening to that, not only do I love that song, but I was reminded that, this is a great compilation because it took bands that were big, like big enough in the, in the scene and played all these deeper cuts or B sides. Like they didn't just go for the big hits, you know, like what a normal compilation would do just to cash in. Like they weirdly enough, like respected these bands and got some really great B sides. Like there's um, a newfound glory Christmas song that we'll listen to on our Christmas playlist that has been added called Xmas, but like bands like Finch. I don't know if you even know these bands, Kelly, this might be way out of your wheelhouse. Finch. I've definitely heard of Finch and Finch is like a a harder sort of band. Um, Obviously boxcar racer is on here, but not the song you think it is tiny voices kind of their second single before it was a single is on here. Um, But then you have like American nightmare AM PM, which is like, they're a hardcore band. Like, I'm like trying to think back if, if that was another way that I got my foot into this type of music or I, I might've already been sort of consuming it, but yeah, a couple of these were just like amazing midtown. I never listen to midtown anymore. Long way to fall by autopilot off. Holy fucking shit. That song brings me back <laughs> so much. It is so fun. Um, Oh shit. Sorry. And then at the end here, um, yeah. And then you have like glass jaw, um, and, um, and cut you up who I don't even really know, but also hardcore songs, a praise chorus by Jimmy world. I mean, this was a year after uh, Jimmy world and bleed American came out. So that was kind of a, like a new song I'm sure for people. And then two of the biggest songs on here that became big hits afterwards were of course, a box full of sharp objects by the used 
And crazily enough, I'd do anything by Simple Plan, uh, which I did forget was recorded or produced by Mark Hoppus. But you'll remember this. I'd do anything. Well, I just saw a picture of them wearing Atticus shirts, and I was like, oh, my God, that's Simple Plan. Well, yeah, of course. Of course. Uh I'm just a kid also is a big one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So that's that. But again, they didn't take like that. That was the hit, though. But I Do Anything is arguably their biggest song now. And it was just kind of the B-side here. And then yeah. Sugar Free by the Mighty Men of Bostones. You forget about the Bostones. But holy shit, man. Sugar Free, great song. I never forget about the Bostones. So I do. I do. But you might remember. <laughs> do you remember Sugar Cult? Daddy's Little Defect? Uh, the name no, sounds I... familiar. Let me pop oh. on which this one is. Tell me what yeah, their number I, one I song is. I got a whole is. album on here. What's their number one song? Welcome to America, uh, their number right? number one or... song is Memory. Is there a song like Putting Welcome to hand. America? It's the one with the with the the chord for the guitar, that album. The white white background. Um, oh yeah, so the Bouncing Off the Walls is the biggest Bouncing Off, off the, the Walls, walls. again. Whoa. I'm been, na, 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 na. Yes, that is Whoa. a big song. Daddy's little stuck defect in was uh, stuck in America. That is, the, I watched that video on Much Music and, and MTV in the morning every morning. It was on when I was a kid. Hmm. Anyways, like again, and yeah. simple, like, and that's like not even the best part. Fuck Sugar Cult. There's fucking Starting Line, The Movie Life, these bands, and there's some I don't even remember. Slick Shoes, Agent Fifty One. I don't even know who the fuck that is. Um, uh, I will know, say I just popped into that Cut You Up song, the the penultimate song on the on the album called Destination. Uh, it's fucking awesome. So I might be checking that out. They're not a band anymore for sure. But no, and also Cut You Up yeah. with the K. It's like nobody does that anymore. That's so two thousand. What are we doing? But yeah, um, this song very like ass. at the drive-in typey vibes. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, too. yeah. I was just gonna say they're kind of like at the drive-in. Oh, yeah. God, it's just like. So anyways, and they did three different compilations for it. And I don't think that I've listened to, I, I, I'm looking through it. I'm like, I can, as I'm looking through the playlist, there's a lot of like stars for me, a lot of hearts. So I'm like, okay, I definitely have either heard of them or they were just happen to be on them. So I'm going to keep going with this Atticus thing as I'm driving around because there's nothing better than listening to pop punk adjacent, even music and driving out in the desert. People, you got to try it. So Atticus, you know, do they still make shirts? I have no fucking clue. But if you were around in the yeah, 2000s. So- you know this. If you want to follow Daniel's journey, just so you know, they Spotify does not have the compilations. But wonderful users of Spotify have made each three of the compilations into playlists. So if you just search dragging dragging the lake. Hell yeah. Uh, it's they're all there. Mm. So go Love for it. it. I'm gonna definitely check that out. Man, cut you up. Who knew? Uh Finch, I was like, I do know that band. Why do I know it? It's it, she's Yaule. What who knows what it is? But that's that band. <laughs> See, who knew? We're just finding things out about the world today. It's incredible. Anyways, you can listen to Finch or you can just listen to Dragon the Lake, which is 20 years old this week. Awful. Like and then finally, oh, I listened God. to, I finished two two books, one uh, called Empire of Pain about the Sackler family and Oxycontin um, and just their family okay. history by Patrick Keefe and uh, Harrowing Shit, man. I mean, as somebody who's... Yeah known people who have uh taken oxy died of oxy not great so it's like that whole thing they are a piece of fucking shit family um so i hope they all fucking rot in hell and then uh to contrast that uh before we talk today i finished a book called transcend transcendentalist sorry transcendentalists and their world by robert a gross um not really about emerson and Thoreau, who are famously from concord but about the world that they kind of grew up in so if you want to learn about you know, 1780s Concord. It's a great book for you. And in the introduction of the railroad. You remember when a railroad, remember when a train went by earlier in this episode? 
earlier in this episode? I do. That, I, I do I, that. that was actually, I paid him to, to run across now, but he oh. fucked up the time. So we'll just have to replay that train sound right here. Great. Kelly, we also continue this podcast after this episode, but instead of having you choose next week's episode, we're not going to do that because you know what next week is? No. It's St. Patrick's Day. Oh, right. How could I forget? (laughs) That's right. A classic June St. Patrick's Day, but you will celebrate June St. Patrick's Day. We celebrated April St. Patrick's Day. Right. And the world celebrated March St. Patrick's Day. So There's if you so have an inkling to get drunk or you got a couple things of Guinness like we do, a couple leftovers, sure pop do. them open and listen to uh, me, you and uh, our friend Kendra um, talk about You Ain't Going Nowhere from 1967 from the Basement Tapes. Um, and you get a little bit of us playing. So don't you worry. We're going to do that for you as well. So uh, tune in next time. Uh, for that, although in between this, we will be doing an episode on Bob Dylan's uh, show at the Schnitzer in uh, Portland on the 31st of May. So Which exciting. It's crazy to think about, man. We've been doing this for a while now and I've, you know, not seen Bob Dylan. So that's like it's happening. It's kind of crazy to me, too. I was like talking to Rebecca and I didn't my sister, Rebecca, and I was just telling her about the show and when I was leaving to go out here. And I thought. It didn't occur to me. Maybe it has, but I just don't remember it. But I, it's like a culmination of 2020. Like 2020 is officially for you and me ending in June because we, the last things we did before the pandemic started was have porno canceled the day before everything shut down. And I bought Bob Dylan tickets right after porno was shut down in the belief that this was going to be a two week thing. And we were going to go see him in June. And now it's weird that both of the things that we did that would have happened in 2020 are now occurring now in 2022. So that's fun (laughs) and kind of a weird, like (laughs) shutting the doors on a terrible, a terrible uh, pandemic time. Will it be over? Well, we already won, Kelly. The pandemic's over. So yeah, don't worry about it. Don't Don't worry. worry. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So we'll let you know about that. and, And then we'll go see porno and. That'll be fun. So yeah, if you would have asked me, in fact, if you could ask me right now what song we did for St. Patrick's Day, I would not have been able to tell you. Mm, see, that's bad. I, like that's... I already forgot. You said it two minutes ago. Not even. You said it like forty-five seconds ago, and I don't remember already. So we riding me high. Tomorrow's nope. the day. Bride's gonna come. Okay. Yeah, that's coming. That's coming. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't going nowhere. Oh yeah, you ain't going nowhere. Okay, great. <laughs> I mean, it does take a Jesus. little bit. I mean, we were quite uh, toasted for that. So, uh, and again, oh, that's, that's part no of the whole deal. You just said the name. You you just said the name. This is a problem. Wow. Yeah, Th- yeah. yes. No, yes. Brain mush is real, <laughs> Kelly. I think you should go get checked. Um, anyways, after that, we'll, be, we'll probably still be out in the desert for the next one. So enjoy us in the garage and then enjoy us back in the desert, out of time, the best way to do podcasts. All right, Kelly, I will see you yes. uh, for the episode after. You ain't going nowhere. 
and everybody else stay tuned Which, for mystery. you ain't going nowhere it's a mystery it's a mystery <laughs> so right. you'll hear about it at the end of next week's episode next week being uh, a relative term as we know as right, always <laughs> as always see you later from the desert <laughs> okay hope bye. i don't fall off a bridge bye thanks jonas thanks jonas